Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, welcome back in again for another episode of Strictly NFL. It's our second time around again with Jeff, and we got a lot to talk about this episode. Season starting, and leaving now it's five days. Got a lot of big games for the Giants, for the Jets, and all around the league. So, without further ado, Jeff, how are we feeling? Feeling great. You know, we just uh, we just recorded over at Pod Strickland, the NBA Pod, but. I'm as mm-hmm. fresh as ever, and I'm ready to talk about these two games and other stuff related to the Jets and the Giants. Let's do it. Yeah, of course. So, for jump into all the action, just wanted to say that the Strickland has an Instagram at the Strick.land. They have the YouTube, which uh, is where all the videos go up at, at the Strickland. And then they also have Patreon, which for full episodes of the Strickland Roll in the $6 tier, that's where you can find it. And for our podcast, of course, we are in the $9 tier. So you can go and subscribe to those. In addition, any lines or sports betting props you hear us talk about on here, they are from Bet Online, as they are our number one source for all betting needs. So we get the latest lines and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and so many more sports. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, which is B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off on a welcome bonus for your first deposit. So bet online where the game starts. All right, and to start us off for the episode, we're going to kick it off with the Jets again, just like we did last week, as they have the most highly anticipated game that for the Jets that I can remember in a long, long, long time. Obviously, I'm not a Jets fan, as I've told you guys, so I don't know exactly how long that time has been, but it's a big game. And they got Josh Allen coming into MetLife. What happened? You want to say something? Oh, no. Keep going. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. No, you're good. They got Josh Allen coming into MetLife, or JetLife, as Aaron Rodgers likes to call it. And this is going to be, I think, potentially a barn burner. I think offenses always start fast with Aaron Rodgers. And kind of the system that they bring it in, you know, the Bills haven't seen it. The Bills, assumingly, are going to get better coming over from uh, last season where Ken Dorsey was a rookie OC. Hopefully, he's gotten better. And I think we're in for a shootout, potentially. What do you think? I think I'm kind of leaning the other way. Uh, why I made that face earlier is I was trying to think of the biggest game that the Jets have played, mm-hmm. like the most anticipated game. And coincidentally, I think it is a game versus the Bills that they played. I could be wrong about the year. My memory is usually pretty good with this stuff. I think it's 2015 when Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback and Brandon Marshall was on the team. And they they needed to win in week 17 against the Bills at home. And they ended up losing. I think that – so I think that would be the last time the Jets really – you know, you know, you could make the argument that like Zach Wilson's first game, everybody was excited to see the guy they drafted number two overall. But yeah, I, I still would I would argue that the stakes for 
this game are higher than that because let's be real, they have Super Bowl aspirations, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that game back in 20, again, if I'm right, 2015, I think, um, that was to make the playoffs. So, and, you know, at that point, they made back-to-back AFC Championship games in 2009 it was, and 2010. Oh, it, was that, it was that early? Yeah, they made back-to-back AFC Championship games in 2009 and 2010. And uh, they hadn't been to the playoffs since, you know? So yeah. that was a fun. And then they still haven't been to the playoffs since. So now all of a sudden they're back. They bring back, you know, a really, really good defense with a defensive coach, and then they're given the keys to a quarterback who's sort of coach-proof, or at least he was at his best. Um, The the hype is real. The hype is high. I'm not sure. I I think I'm actually going to go the other way. Um, I could see the offenses underwhelming a little bit in this game. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, and this says nothing about them long-term, especially the Bills. Josh Allen is amazing. Um, and the Bills will be just fine. But I could see, uh, it sort of reminds me of the, so in 2012 when the Broncos got Peyton Manning, the they played the Steelers on opening night, which is actually really weird because usually the defending champions play on opening night. But for yeah. some reason, the NFL scheduled Broncos Steelers on opening night uh, NBC, and I think the score was like seven three at halftime. It was like everybody was like, "Oh, Peyton Manning is going to bring this great offense to Denver, and can Ben Roethlisberger keep up?" And then, just surprisingly, the Broncos defense was like, "Yo, we're here too. Like, if we're going to be really good." And the Broncos defense played really well, and I could just sort of see a similar outcome where Aaron Rodgers is the one getting all the hype. But he's not really, you know, fully in tune with his receiving core. They've still got some kinks to work out. Maybe a little bit of a slow start. And it's the Jets' defense that kind of feels like they have to step up. I I could see it being a relatively low-scoring game compared to the expectations. Mm -hmm. I I hear you. And me saying it could be a barn burner is not because of the lack of talent on either side on defense. Um, Just... I think the atmosphere is going to be going crazy. If it, if it is going to be any team getting after it on defense, it's obviously going to be the Jets. You know, at home with all the juice in the crowd, it's going to be crazy. And a good point that you brought up was that game where they could have clinched the playoff spot was against the Bills. And now they kickstart this season where they have their highest playoff expectations, as far as I could remember, against the Bills again. as kind of like a start to their redemption arc in a way. Yeah, for sure. And this is a really big game for the Jets. Like, in a way, it's kind of good for them to be thrown into the fire because, like, they their schedule, we covered this last week, their schedule the first 10 weeks is brutal. Yeah. So they don't really have time to be like, oh, Aaron Rodgers, quote, relax, we're feeling this out, you know? Like, as as talented as this team is, Two and eight, three and seven. These starts are in the cards for them. You know, an injury happens. They lose a couple close games to teams. Like, if you're a Jets fan out there and you find this too pessimistic, first of all, you're a Jets fan. You probably you're probably used to being pessimistic. But second of all, <laughs> um, like I'm just I'm just being more of a realist. This is 
I mean, let's let's look through this Jets schedule one more time because this is just it's it's honestly a little bit unfair. They've got Buffalo, they're at Dallas, New England, Kansas City, at Denver, Philadelphia, at the Giants, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Buffalo, and the last two at Las Vegas and at Buffalo. So they've got uh, five home games, five road games, and I would argue that some of the toughest games are on the road. Like there aren't any easy victories there. Maybe some people will laugh and be like, Oh, new England's not going to be good, but guess what? Bill Belichick gets up for those jets games. Who are, I mean, the jets were, what were they last year? Six and two, five and two, seven and two, maybe. And they had a game at home against new England, a bad new England team to go to, to really sink their teeth into the AFC. And Bill Belichick just showed up, had a game plan, made Zach Wilson's life hell. And they beat them in New York. So yeah, I don't see any easy victories on this schedule the first 10 weeks of the season. The thing is, they could be getting unlucky with a lot of these games as well. Like, let's say the Giants beat the Cowboys week one. Then you're getting them coming off of a loss in Dallas, and the Jets are going to have a day less of rest. That, like, those, those, things, those things matter. They're getting the Chiefs week four. Obviously, there's news today that Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee in practice. You are probably missing that window where Travis Kelsey's going to miss time as well. Then you go to Denver. You get the Eagles at MetLife, which is trust me, take for me. It's never an easy game. Um, it's just there's a real gauntlet here, and it's not just good teams. It's good quarterbacks, right? Like you upgraded to Aaron Rodgers, and that's fantastic. But there's still guys like you didn't get Patrick Mahomes. As much as I love Aaron, I think he's probably the second best quarterback of all time. He is not what a lot of these guys are. Like Josh Allen, better than him. Dak Prescott, I think. Aaron Rodgers is a bit better, but I'm a big, not a big Dak Prescott fan, but I believe in him as a guy who can win a championship at some point. Mahomes is on the schedule. Jalen Hurts is on the schedule. You don't even have a real home. uh, Sorry, the Giants is technically a Giants home game, but it's still going to be a hard game. I thought that was uh, considered a Jets home game, but it's not. Then well, Herbert Tom, comes in. Th- to be fair, they're all Jets home games. You know, it's it is it's, it's Jet Life for a reason. It's Jet Life, yeah. <laughs> as as so many of my Jets fans in my real life have told me, it's it's always been Jet Life. Apparently, have you ever been to a Jets Giants game? Like at at I haven't been. I haven't been. Um, and funny enough, the reason I became a Giants fan is because my dad was watching a Jets Giants game. My dad's a Jets fan, so I was like, okay. I'm a root against you. So Man, that's fucked up. <laughs> I, hope my, I hope my kid doesn't betray me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was actually, it was 2007, and then uh, we went to win the Super Bowl. So. That'll do. Um, so, and then, I mean, you finish up that 10-game stretch at Buffalo, which that's why this game is so important to win, because if you lose this game, your odds of winning at Buffalo are not much better. They're very much worse and then you're talking about okay if we go on two in these two bookend buffalo games then these eight games in the middle if we don't go six and, uh sorry six and two we're probably coming out of that 500 or less and that's right. exact analysis that we gave last week but it's it's bumpy bumpy roads honestly this is where i'm going to turn positive i think the jets have a really good chance in this game um I think the Bills are a really good team. I, th- I think I don't think you could realistically say they can't win the Super Bowl. Um, I think yeah. they're a legit Super Bowl contender. 
But I also think they're kind of they're built for the long the long haul. They're not they, they don't scream to be a team that's going to show up in week one and just blow the blow the doors off of the Jets in MetLife. Yeah, I could see them. You know, the 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 good news for Bills fans. You know, if you're listening, you're a Bills fan. They do bring back a lot of continuity. You know, like they they've got James Cook taking over for Devin Singletary. But outside of that, it's you know it's mostly the same receiving core. They've got the they've got Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Shakir. They're going to bring back Dawson Knox, but now they're pairing him with a rookie in Dalton Kincaid. Um, a lot of continuity on both sides of the ball, but I, I, I just think the Jets match up pretty well versus them. Like all the things the Jet, the Bills do well, even last year, um, if you go rewatch those Bills-Jets games, even with Zach Wilson under center and Mike White under center, the Jets defense gave Josh Allen a relatively hard time. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, they've got the corners to not obviously sauce Gardner. Everyone knows how good he is. You don't have to give too much attention to digs. And what I mean by that isn't that you don't have to, like, I'm not saying don't pay attention to Stefan Diggs, but you don't require multiple defenders to guard him because you have sauce Gardner on the outside who can just at least as best as possible, you know, get, make his life hell. Um, that's valuable because the thing that Josh Allen does really, really well is exploit mistakes and exploit matchup um, errors, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like if, if you send Stefan Diggs a double, Allen can just use his legs and find an open spot on the field and extend yeah. the play and then a second res- – or, or, or extend the, the play behind the line of scrimmage, a second receiver finds that opening and boom, they're just lighting it out of fire. I think the Jets are going to be prepared. I think they have the personnel to make the Bills' life really hard. And honestly, we'll we'll get to this in a little bit, but I think they're going to win the game. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. I think, um, especially with the Bills on offense, I I'm a fan of their moves on offense a lot more than I am of their fans uh, a fan of their moves on defense. I think bringing in Kincaid, I was really high on that move. He's somebody who I think you can play with Dawson Knox and not lose a lot of the athleticism from going out of 11 personnel to 12 personnel, then, you know, what that it does is I think the two weakest points on this Jets defense are safety and linebacker. So when you're looking at it, you know, if when you're talking about how would the Bills want to build their offense in order to beat the Jets, you probably want to be able to exploit those two positions as much as you can. And besides Quincy Williams, I'm not really sure who has the athleticism on this Jets defense to stick with Kincaid. I know he's a rookie. I know it's going to be his first game, but I could see him walking in and making a decently big impact. You know, maybe not statistically, but in terms of just giving them flexibility in their personnel and how they want to maybe run the football more or, you know, kind of get a slot cornerback further into the box. It's it's interesting how they can deploy him. Yeah, uh, I, I like the Kincaid pick a lot out of, um, out of college. Um what about the other side of the ball? Like, I, I think it's really, really easy to talk about, you know, Jets' great defense versus MVP candidate Josh Allen. But mm-hmm. do you think that, I, I mean, you said to start, you think it's going to be a pretty electric game and maybe some scoring. Yeah. So, and, then you, and then you also just said not a huge fan of the Bills' moves on defense. So does that mean you think Aaron Rodgers is just going to come out firing? See, the thing is, I think he, I think he really can. And 
I should I should clarify, like I think if there's a way that this game is gonna tilt, I think it's gonna be more of a barn burner than a, just a defensive slugfest. When when I see like Tredavious White, who's a great player, he came back from the ACL, he's a little bit further removed from that injury now. Maybe he's, you know, kind of catching up to his former self, but I don't think he was all the way there last year and then he's only getting older. So I'm interested to see how they kind of use him because I don't think you can man him up on Garrett Wilson right now and have confidence. Then Micah Hyde missed all of last season, if I remember correctly. Jordan Poyer's gotten old. They told him to test the market for agency, and he didn't really like what he saw, so he came back to the Buffalo. Then I think the best player on this defense now, the Tremaine Edmonds, is gone. Greg Rousseau, he's the one guy who, if you're looking at all these teams in the AFC East, He's the one dude who can be lined up against Mekhi Becton, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, Mekhi Becton's an animal, but this guy can pretty much bust his ass just the same way Mekhi Becton can bust his ass because these guys are both massive, long-armed, strong, and that's an, that's a matchup that I'm really excited to watch. If he gets the lineup over Mekhi, that's something that I really want to see. Okay, what do you, what do you think of uh... – the Bills kind of pairing Leonard Floyd with Shaq Lawson on the other side. Because I know they're both, you know, older, but they, they're they both also pretty well-established, and maybe, like, splitting time between them could actually help both players stay efficient. What do you think of that? Well, I think, uh, especially because Von Miller is going to be out for this game, he, he stayed on the pup, so he's going to miss four. I think that really when you blend together all the edges they have, I think they'll complement each other really well. So. It's it's less of them complementing each other, but more of like the the sum of the parts for this group is going to be way less than the whole, in my opinion, is because you got the speeds power guy with sorry not the speeds power guy, but just the flat out power guy with Greg Rousseau. You got speeds power with Vaughn when he comes back, and then another speeds power guy, Leonard Floyd, AJ Epinesa, who I think has not really been misused by Leslie Frazier but just hasn't been maximized. I think there's a good chance that whether it's they move him in a little bit more to the three technique or if they just kind of put a complimentary pass rusher on his side, that there's a lot of things Sean McDermott can do to really maximize him this year. And then you throw in Shaq Lawson, and then that's just kind of like a cherry on top of your depth, right? Yeah, there's something – this is very uh, um like amateur analysis. But to me, there's always been something about guys with pedigree. And like, like I know that both Shaq Lawson and Leonard Floyd are around 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And so they're not, they're probably not what they were when they were 24, 25, but these are established accomplished players who just know how to play at a really high level. Mm-hmm. And if you're telling these guys like, Hey, you know, we don't need you to be prime Shaq Lawson, prime Leonard Floyd. We don't need you to be out there for 100% of snaps. You're going to bust your ass, and you're going to give us your best for a snap or two. And then somebody who's just as accomplished, and you know they're going to come in for you, and we're kind of rotating you in and out. There's something appealing to, to about that to me. About you know, I could just see the Bills' defensive line sort of making a bounce back, especially when you're talking about – we haven't even said his name, Ed Oliver in the middle. You know, He's yeah. still – an absolute animal. And then all of a sudden, like, what, what do you do against that line? Like if, if I was a Jets fan and I had one worry about 
this opening week on that side of the ball, it's are are Aaron Rodgers and our offensive line going to be in sync enough to the point where they can they can block this defensive line effectively? Because if the Bills defensive line can get home without any added pressure, all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers' life is really, really hard. And yeah. I say that knowing that the Bills linebacking core is probably their weakness. Mm-hmm. Because if the Bills linebackers don't need to help on the pass rush, if like there there are really two outcomes for this game. The the Bills defensive line gets home and the Bills linebackers can sit back and they can, you know, take away those slants that Aaron Rodgers likes and force him to try and extend plays, but you have the defensive line getting home on their own, that's going to spell trouble for the Jets. But if the Bills defensive line isn't getting home, the offensive line is able to do its job, stay in front of them, and Aaron Rodgers is able to extend plays and find receivers because, you know, you can only stay with receivers these days for so long. Yeah. All of a sudden, Leslie Frazier is going to – wait, Leslie Frazier is still the defensive coordinator, yes? No, uh, he, he was the defensive coordinator last year. He's gone, and Sean McDermott's doing play calling now. Okay, sorry. All of a sudden, okay. Sean McDermott has to send the linebackers to help because he's not just – I mean, coaches are too smart these days. They're going to adjust – they're not going to just sit there and let Aaron Rodgers have a field day. So he's going to send linebackers. He's going to send different looks at him. And those slants that I was just talking about, Garrett Wilson, you know, uh, Al Lazard doing quick slants over the middle of stuff. Aaron, Rod- We've seen Aaron Rodgers make these throws thousands of times. He's just going to eat them up. So yeah. I actually think that you could make the argument that the most important matchup of this game is the Jets offensive line versus the Bills defensive line. I agree with you. And as we were – talking more you know about this game I I found myself like getting to that point because if you're the Jets and you can run on their defensive line you can't have much confidence as a Bills fan in anybody in your linebacker court right now besides Matt Milano like it's it's Dorian Williams who was a rookie third round pick if I remember correctly and then Terrell Bernard Tyrell Dotson a lot of names who I'm just not familiar with and that's pretty rare for myself (laughs) just you know not not to not to be overconfident or anything, but like I'm just familiarizing myself, and there's not too much talent over here. So Von Miller being out is kind of like the first step in the equation of me thinking that this can be more of a shootout. And then I'm really interested to see, interested to see, I should say, how Ed Oliver is going to come out with McDermott as the play caller now. And uh, something I've talked about a lot with Schwinn is how he hasn't been maximized either. You know, we talked about Epinesa before, but Ed Oliver has had the same kind of an issue. And there's been some different things that we've discussed about how he could be deployed. I think another thing they should be doing is, you know, they should be stunting on Makai Becton. He hasn't played in a long time. It's been about, I believe, a year and a half. They should be throwing stuff at him, seeing how his mental processing is, and just really testing him in ways that, you know, you'd think, okay, he hasn't played in a while. Let's test him physically. Now, I think you should be testing this guy mentally. Yeah. If it was me, I would flip the the two ends. Um, like I was just talking about, you have um, uh, you have Floyd and Lawson on one side. Yeah. And if they're going to rely on speed more than power, personally, I would test I would test Becton's range more than his more than his strength. I'd be yeah. surprised if, if the strength doesn't hold up right away. Um, but with his leg, making him move from side to side, making him shift, I think that's the best way to get into his head because when you're coming off an injury, 
it's just human nature to think about that, you know? But if you're just if it's just you versus an elite power guy and he's gonna try and bowl you over, there's not really much to think about. You're just, you know, you're standing there and you're you know, yeah. you're, you're trying to lock him. But if there's somebody who's gonna use multiple, you know, somebody who's gonna try and swim or spin, all of a sudden you've got multiple things to think about and you're asking the lineman to cut and to shift and to, you know, be agile and Look, coming out of college, that was Becton's thing. For a guy his size, he was incredibly agile. But does he still have that, you know, after all these injuries? I, I think you're exactly right. I think I think you have to ask the question. Yeah, and on the Bill side of things, I think if their D-line is kind of getting home and, you know, making things happen, that's going to go a long way to proving that they didn't have to pay Tremaine Adams as much as people thought. Right, because the Jets, as far as I'm concerned, we talked about it on here. I think they're potentially top five, top eight offensive line, and if they can get their job done against these guys, you know, this unit I believe is, you know, they've been playing together for a long time. Even though Makai was hurt last year, the other four were pretty much all here together, and that is, you know, a big time thing for me to watch for, in my opinion, because there was a lot of talk about that move. There was a lot of talk about how the Bears got him on a pretty good deal. And specifically looking at this division, right? You always build your team to win your division. I can kind of understand why they did that because there's nobody really testing linebackers sideline to sideline in this division, right? Whether it's the Patriots, I mean, they don't really have, I don't respect Mike Gesicki in that way. The Dolphins, I mean, I'm never asking Tremaine Edmonds to be lined up on Jalen Waddell or I'm or Tyreek Hill, like, that's just not happening. And then looking at the Jets, yeah, we got Brees Hall coming out of the backfield, but Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzama, Jeremy Rucker, those aren't guys that I fear. I could put my on with that guy. So that's a, that's a big narrative for me to follow as well because that was a, de- a decision that was really highly debated this offseason. For sure, for sure. Um, then back towards the Jets side of things, there was rumors this week, rumors that Mike Evans could be out of Tampa Bay after this season. So last uh, last week we touched on the state of the receiver room for the Jets. We also talked a bit about the state of the receiver room for the Giants. So there's not been any real link between these two teams and Mike Evans yet, but we're going to talk about it, right? Of course we are. We're going to project, we're going to speculate. So me personally, as a Giants fan, and as somebody who follows the Jets closely, I don't really see why the Giants should be in on this move, and I definitely understand why the Jets should be on this move. I think Mike Evans adds a element to the receiver room that they don't have, right, that big body, that 6'4 guy, and he fits their timeline, I believe, much better than he fits the Giants' timeline. Um, I think that... I think that I agree with half your answer. I think he fits the Jets timeline much better than the Giants timeline. But I think that purely looking at him for what he adds to a receiver's room, I think he actually adds more to the Giants than the Jets. And I'm mm-hmm. curious why you think he his type of profile player adds more to the Jets than the Giants. Because I, I get that, you know, Garrett Wilson isn't him and Mike Evans are different enough that they could make it work, you know, yeah. but you already, you already do have Garrett Wilson. So 
you know, he's going to eat targets regardless of the types of targets. He's going to eat targets. So there's only you're already limiting. You're already limited in the in what Mike Evans' impact can be. Or excuse me, that was a really dumb way of saying that. Mike Evans' potential impact is already limited due to the existence of Garrett Wilson. I don't really see the Giants having anybody that can put a ceiling to what Mike Evans could do for that team. Um, and I think that just from a profile standpoint, if you could just plop Mike Evans into that receivers room and put him with Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley. I mean, why aren't we talking about the Giants as, you know, one of the three Super Bowl favorites in the NFC if, if that were to happen? Well, I think Joe Shane has had such an emphasis on getting athletes, right, which Mike Evans obviously is. But the separation and kind of top-end speed guys have been attributes that he really values, right? So you look at Paris Campbell. He was running, I believe, a 4-3-2 coming out of college. High, obviously, ran a 4-4. Waller, we all know his speed for a tight end. I personally don't know if Mike Evans can kind of, I don't want to say fit into the scheme because Mike Evans is scheme proof, but he is probably not an optimal fit into the scheme, right? Like, if we're looking also at the versatility guys that they brought in, Hyatt can be a slot guy, could be an outside guy. Paris Campbell can be a slot guy, could be an outside guy. Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, these things all apply to all these guys. Pretty much besides Wandell Robinson. So I think that it's worth it to kick the tires on it. The problem is that you're going to have to be giving up probably a first in value, maybe a second plus, something around that range. And then you're going to have to be paying him. You know, Tyree Kill got $30 million a year. Evans is definitely not getting that, but he'll get around 23 to 27, in my opinion, just because of his pedigree and because teams are going to say, okay, Hopkins did this at 31 years old last season with an injured Colt McCoy quarterback. We could probably bank on Evans getting two or three years at least. So I think pricing in the market of him on the trade block with what he's going to command in a contract and then you consider the fact that the Giants already lost a six-round pick in this draft coming up. They've invested heavily at the receiver position. I don't know. It's something that I think I want to stay away from. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.